Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Zandra Shaw of EmbroiderShop.com, coming to us from South Africa. I'm really excited to get to speak with her today about why she sews. So welcome to Why I Sew, Zandra. How are you? Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me on your show. It's wonderful to be here. I'm doing great. Thank you. And so it's been a while since I've seen you or, or spoken to you. What's, um, you know, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you got going on. So, Jason, um, some people will know me from the embroider shop. My name is Zandra Shaw and I'm all about machine embroidery. I'm a machine embroidery educator. I'm a designer and I'm part of a small family business. We love to do different type of machine embroideries like 3D flowers we like to use all kinds of different fabrics that people won't usually think about to use with their embroidery machines. And we like to focus on the education part of machine embroidery. Well, with this whole situation, with the pandemic going on, uh, where we usually would visit some stores and do some hands-on events, it changed a little bit. And since I started in 2020 to do the virtual events online, our business from the embroider shop kind of took a little detour and at the moment I'm mainly focused on the Hoop Fun Club, which is a very exciting machine embroidery club and we are really focused on doing monthly education, month after month, bringing the best projects and designs. But it's not only a club for collectors, it is more of an educational club where we show you exactly how to uh, make the most of your embroidery machine. Oh, I love that. Uh, so so is that something that uh, people join at embroidershop.com or is that um, a different site? Is that a Facebook group? How do people find out about that? So um, it is called the Hoop Fun Club and people can just Google or go to www.hoopfunclub.com and it's a whole website on its own. We are actually having our first birthday party really soon and we are almost at the end of our first year it was a phenomenal year with 12 months filled with the education so what people get inside of the hoop fun club each month is they get one embroidery project and we teach them on baby lock machines show them exactly how to do it but anybody can join this club uh, of any machine brand can join it but we demonstrate on the baby lock solaris machine and We have written instructions, step-by-step photo illustrated for those who like to learn by reading or maybe print out the manuals and have it right next to the machine. But what people really enjoy is the hands-on approach where they no longer sit in the back of the classroom. They are actually feeling like it's almost like a one-on-one education process because they can see exactly what I'm And that is what people love about it. So they get one project per month. They get a set of exclusive embroidery designs. And then they get some edge-to-edge quilting designs every month. Okay. That sounds fantastic. So that's a little bit about your businesses now. You know, we, we, we met, what, almost 10 years ago, I guess. That's about 13 years ago. Uh, 13. Jeez. I'm getting old. I'm getting old, Zandra. So, uh, you know, uh, you kind of already said that when you when you first started describing yourself, you said you were an embroiderer. Is that all of the sewing that you do or do you do other types of sewing? What's, I mean, obviously embroidery is your, is your main focus, but do you do other types of sewing? 
So, Jason, I would, there's some sewing that I incorporate with machine embroidery, but mostly I would just finish up whatever project I'm doing with the sewing machine if it's needed. I try to do it as far as possible, like in the hoop with the embroidery machine. And then I, I would say that I do basic sewing with the sewing machine. Well, okay. Mila on the other one side, she's a qualified uh, fashion designer. So she does most of our sewing and surging and stuff like that. But I would call myself a passionate machine embroiderer. Oh, okay. So how did that start? You know, what's your first memory of embroidering and you know, how old were you when it happened? So um, I always listen to people when they tell their story and I wish I had a story to tell you like I was five years old when I did my first dress and uh, I was a late bloomer, Jason. So anything before the age of probably 26 years old. And the thing is, is that I've always been a creative person. I always love to make things like, you know, Mila and I would buy sometimes a cheap handbag at a Chinese shop or something, and we would create our own flowers and make these designer type of handbags. We would sew some stuff onto our jeans and make these beautiful, fancy stuff. So I always love to be creative. But it first started out where I actually saw someone else do machine embroidery, and I thought all of a sudden how you could use different types of fabrics and crinkly type of sound-making things for little babies. and I bought my first embroidery machine to just start playing with that, mainly on baby products. And then I really enjoyed to do it. And I actually started like a small business from home with it. I made the designs, but I was frustrated because I couldn't find the stuff which I would like to see in machine embroidery. Now, back when I started, it wasn't like today where you get all these fantastic designs and designers and digitizers. It was very limited. It was still in the time when embroidery were on the cards and you had like this mini magic box. You inserted your card into the mini magic <laughs> box. It was really, it was still nothing. You had to like pay extremely a lot of money for, for a few designs. When you so make it, so, you make it sound like you started in the stone ages, Sandra, come on. Yeah, kind of like. <laughs> so <laughs> then I told Mila, I said, hey, why don't we create the stuff that we want to see? And she said, well, that is a great idea. And at that time, there was another company in South Africa. The ladies did some of this uh, digitizing. They went to the United States. And that kind of like inspired us to say, well, hey, if they can do it, let's, let's try our own little thing. We had very, very humble beginnings. I mean, there's many times I thought of giving up. And um, that is how it all started. But the great news is that we never did give up. We just kept on going and going. And today I'm very, very happy that we did not stop because we have actually found our passion in life because what it started out as a business idea, but since I've been teaching online and being in the classroom, I actually really found my passion within the job that I love. So it's really the dream job to have. Uh, I, I really love hearing that. So, you know, you get started, you bought this machine and you start doing embroidery yourself did you have a teacher is anybody helping you at this point or did you just self-teach using videos i mean how, how did you learn how to use this thing and, and understand all the ins and outs of embroidering properly so jason and i did unfortunately not have a machine embroidery teacher it was all trial and error since it sounds like i'm out of the stone age already Back then, I don't think there were like all these YouTube videos guiding you exactly how to do it. In today's, with all the technology, it's easy. You can go and see, well, how to hoop this, how to stabilize this. But I think it's like a process of learning. And then also 
to watch other educators and look at new products, try out new products. So it's really a process of growing into your own style, growing into the way that, or actually the way that works for you. Because in machine embroidery, you know, you can have 10 different educators and five of them might tell you this and then the other five might tell you exactly the opposite. Right. So it's all about finding the balance between what for you and what you are trying to achieve. So, so do you remember when you made the very first thing and how that turned out? What did you make first out of the gate when you unboxed that machine? So Jason, the first thing that I did is I did a burp cloth, which was made out of like toweling fabric and it wasn't stabilized properly. And I remember it was so bad when I stitched out the <laughs> outlines were like half an inch from where it should be. And I was so, it was so bad. You couldn't even take a Sharpie and kind of like make it look better. Uh, you know, you know, when you really start out and you see people are using plastic and you think, well, maybe it's the plastic they put on book covers and stuff like that. Right. That's how bad it was. I started with book cover plastic until I realized, hey, there's, there's special plastic for this. This is wrong. <laughs> oh, that must have been fun. Now, was your sister doing this with you or was this just you by yourself? So it first started out me doing all of this by myself. But in the same time, it's, with me and my sister, it's like, Whenever the one buys something, it's within a month or two, the other one is going to follow. And we like kind of like just drag each other along in life because we love each other and that is what we do. So when I first bought my small embroidery machine, it was about two months after she bought hers. And we went through all the trial and error of bad embroidery. And then we bought the first digitizing program. Now, back then we bought it from a company in Greece. And, okay. you know, Greek is, is not one of our things we can do, right? So it, it was difficult because you have to correspond to people that also their first language was not English. And then you have to have a very strong graphics background. Now, we are self-trained. Everything that we know up until this point is definitely something that we teach ourselves. And we did went to, uh, you know, like people that help us a little bit of graphics with like Coral Draw and Photoshop and things like that to get kind of like the hang of it. So that is how that started out. I think in the very beginning when Mila and I started with the digitizing program, you know, you are like super excited until you realize this is not as easy as the guy on the, you know, on the video makes it looks like. This right. is going to, this is going to need some work. Interesting. So all of the digitizing that is done today for the designs that you sell, you do that yourself? I do not do that myself. Mila at this stage is our full-time digitizer. At this very moment, I do a lot of the designing. I help her. We do the compilations of all the projects. We share our ideas. We decide this is what we're going to do. This is the artwork we will need. And then once we know what we want to do, it goes to Mila and then she will digitize it. It comes back to me and my mom. And then it is the process starts of stitching it out maybe a hundred times until it's correct. You know, trial and error again until you find the exact right design. And, you know, sometimes you think something's going to work and it's not actually working. But then, you know, you start with the process of taking the photos, writing the instructions, doing the video tutorials. So I'm like full time now on maintaining the websites, handling customers and social media and stuff like that. And I'm teaching all the time behind the camera. And uh, my mom is doing the instructions at this point. And my 
13-year-old little girl. She is the one that edits our videos. Oh, so a true family affair. Now another generation is getting involved. I love that. So it sounds like when you've bought this machine, you probably thought at first you were going to just sew a little for yourself. Then you pretty quickly, you turn that into a business. So do you ever sew outside of work now? And if so, what kind of stuff do you like to sew? So Jason, to be very honest with you, I really don't get time to actually sew something outside of the business. Everything that we actually do and things that we like to make for the Hoop Fun Club, sometimes when I do like something, I will take one of the samples for myself or I would take some of my samples and I would gift it to someone. I love to make gifts like book covers and stuff like that or, you know, something special that you know a little child would like, one of these unique push dolls that you make or something like that. That is where I find my joy in making extra ones. And But at this very stage, you know, where the business has grown very fast since the pandemic last year and where we are like full-time in the classroom, The other things that I do all the time, and I find a lot of joy in that, is that I do weekly, almost weekly, free webinars. And so I would take something that people are having a hard time with, like, let's say, freestanding lace. Or I would come up with a small little design to show them how to use a small hoop and create, like, continuous daisy lace trims and stuff like that. And people really enjoy it because they pick up all the small things that they did not know, like tips and techniques using the machine. And that is why I like to say we do machine education in action. I always say, don't tell someone, show them. So I like to really show them, this is when you use this kind of stabilizer. This is what happens when you don't use it. This is what happens when you do use it. So mainly at this stage, and I think it's fun, to do these weekly webinars where I pick a small project, I invite the people, they are having a lot of fun, they are taking home the design and that is the way that we are spreading love and joy because specifically in a time like we are living right now, people feel isolated, they feel lonely and machine embroidery is very powerful. It's really powerful because it helps with depression, it helps fight anxiety, And it helps to stimulate your creative thinking. And I see that the more people, you know, keep busy with things like machine embroidery or sewing, the better it is for them because it makes them happy. Yeah, I've heard that over and over again through some of the other folks that I've had on the podcast, but but just also from people in the industry and, and other people that I know, whether it be sewing or other hobbies, but certainly being in the sewing industry, I hear a lot of folks say that, that it's such a great outlet for them to control their emotions, to have a creative place. So I love hearing you say that. Now, you mentioned that you like to give gifts, and and that's something else that I hear a lot. You know, giving something that's handmade is always kind of special. Does any gift you've ever given or made kind of stick out to you in particular? Was there any special moments or special things that you've made that you'd like to talk about? Well, in August, we did a project, and we call it the Kin Love Bunny. Now, this is an amazing story, Jason. So, in 2020, when I went to the United States, you know, I was there on a three-year trip, fully booked, and I thought, well, life is perfect. You know, I'm fully booked for three years. I'm just going to go from town to town, teaching, doing what we love. And then, I mean, within three months, we went into lockdown and the whole world changed, right? Now Mm. you're sitting in a, the borders are closed and all of a sudden you are kind of like anxious because you don't know what's going to come next. But I have to tell you, And I have to tell you this because I need to tell people this is that 
my faith was tested. I cannot tell you how much it was tested. And the <laughs> moment when I, I did over and I said, I do not have any power in myself, I'm no longer in control, right? The moment when I gave it over to God, it all just started to happen and it went into the right direction. And <laughs> miracles started to happen. Like you will not believe it when I tell you the miracle after the miracle happened and how things just started to flow and work along for us. And specifically, there was this people in Ruston, Louisiana, when I was like at the point where I was living in a small place in Ruston, in Louisiana, and now I had to start doing the videos and stuff like that. And we needed space because there was 5,000 pairs of shoes on its way. And I was going to make these shoes and teach people how to do these specific shoes. And there was just no space at the place where I was at this moment. And out of the blue, this man contacted me saying, well, he's moving to Texas and his house is open and it's this big house. And he would like us to live in this house and look after the house and stuff. And I couldn't believe wow. it. Unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was so he's, wife's name is Kim, right? So in August, we dedicated because of what they did for us and for our family and like really helping us in a time when we did not know what was next. We did dedicate embroidery project with the name of the Kim Love Bunny. Now, personally, there was a lot of emotion for me in making this. And the thing is, is that it's almost like a gratitude bunny. And whenever people are making this and they are sharing with me the joy when they tell the little children that this is a gratitude bunny, and the Kim Love Bunny, Jason, is so beautiful. It's embroidered with some roses on the bunny's body. It is beautiful. People can see it at the hoopfunclub.com if they would like to see what the Kim Love Bunny is. But of all things that I've made, I think the Kim Love Bunny did bring me the greatest joy because of the story uh, behind it and because of the wonderful way that it was received by Kim and her husband, which was wonderful people, and they did so much for us. So definitely that is a highlight in my embroidery was doing the Kim Love Bunny. What a, what a what a cool story. So how did you meet Kim? Is she from within the sewing industry or did you meet her through sewing or embroidery? Or was she just a friend that you had met along the way? So Jason, it's a, you know, it's like I said, it's all about miracles in this story. I did not know her before. So the first show that I did was a show in Ruston, Louisiana. I did it at the fabric store in Ruston, Louisiana, and the fabric store belongs to Walking Angels as well. People that have touched our lives tremendously have done a lot for us in helping us, you know, find our way in the United States. Now, I did not know who Kim was until I saw her and realized she was in the classroom. But what is very interesting, she was in my very first show. And afterwards, the lady of the fabric shop told her about us looking for a bigger space. And it was just perfect timing. And then they said, well, we've got the perfect space for them. And, you know, let them come and live in our house and stuff like that. So she was in that uh, hands-on event in Ruston in the very beginning. But what is so special about it is my dad did take a video of the specific day. And in this video, I'm standing right in front of Kim and she's just like talking to me, asking me questions. And she asked me, are you planning to stay in Ruston for a long time? And I said, I don't know yet. And I think just, you know, listening to that, she asking me that I think God was smiling and thinking, yeah, she's going to stay a very long time and she's going to stay in your house. So it's such a wonderful, beautiful story. So definitely Kim Love Bunny is my favorite embroidery piece that I've ever made. 
I love that story for a couple of different reasons. The first one is that I always tell people when they ask me, and I've been in this business for 28 years coming up. And uh, so I, I was fairly young whenever I got into the sewing business and I had a lot of friends that would ask me, gosh, you do what now? You work in what industry? You know, I'm from Louisiana. And so a lot of my friends are in the oil and gas industry and all of these other manly kinds of things right And here. I'm working in the sewing industry, but my answer was always, but it's full of such good people. And so I think your story really hammers that home in a great way. And number two, of course, uh, reason that I love that story is because I am also from Louisiana and I just know there's good people there. So <laughs> it warms me up to, to hear you Talk about uh, folks in Ruston that way. Oh, they are wonderful, absolutely wonderful people. I can't agree with you more about people in the sewing and the quilting. I think I like visited 19 states, you know, a lot of different shows that I did in the United States. And, you know, I always tell people is that if you're not in the industry, you won't understand it. But there's, there's something about those people that do sewing and machine embroidery. They're just wonderful, good people. Yeah, for sure. Switch gears on you a little bit. So like every hobby, sewing is full uh, and embroidery are full of that you can you can start as low as you want and go as, as high as you want. And along the way, there's lots of different techniques and gadgets and products, notions that you can buy. What are some of your favorite things that you use to make your life easier in embroidery? Just nifty things, gadgets, whatnot that you like to use. So Jason, I actually just discovered my favorite tool. And uh, the first time when I actually got myself one of these tools, people said, well, what, what are you doing with this tool in the embroidery room? And now they realize what a fantastic tool it is. So the funny thing is, is when I bought myself this tool, I did not realize that this specific tool wasn't available. Or actually, it's not a tool, Jason, it's a spatula, but it's a specific spatula. It's one that is like made out of silicone, but it's wait, like wait, a little mermaid. So you're saying a, a spatula, like a cooking tool? Like, like a cooking tool, right? Okay, okay. But the thing is, a spatula, you know, all spatulas kind of like look the same. Until I realized that people couldn't find the specific spatula I was using for my machine embroidery. And they kept on asking me, where do you get the spatula? So actually, as we speak, these spatulas are on their way to the United States. So I did brand some of them for the Hoop Funk Club because all of my members, they need this tool. So it's uh, something that you can actually cook with, right? I know people are not very fond of cooking that does sewing and embroidery because it takes up a lot of time to cook, right? <laughs> but this spatula is great for the sewing room because the one side is like almost like a little flipping mermaid tail of silicone. So if it gets under the needle of the machine, it does not hurt the needle, yet it is such a perfect placement tool that you no longer have to have your hands near that needle in case your finger gets underneath the oh, needle. And how okay. it all started, I always tell people, don't worry that I will put my hand under the needle because like I work very closely with my hands and sometimes people will say, hey, Zandra, please, 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 can you just take your hands away from the needle? Then I say, well, listen, if you do this for 18 hours a day, you're not going to put your finger under the needle. And then just to calm the nerves, I bought myself the spatula. And Jason, it's my favorite embroidery tool. I'm telling you, it's the best turning tool. It's the best to help spread out some fabric and flatten it while doing like appliques. You can hold it in any, you can even make it like if you are using batting and some fabrics on top, like 
a, like a in the hoop type of quilt, then you can lower the batting by pushing down on it. It's a great tool. So I think my best tool is one that people won't necessarily think about as an embroidery tool, but it's a spatula. That's fantastic. I'm going to have to check that tool out. And maybe that's something we need to be selling at sulky.com too. Jeez. It's a great tool. I will send you a photo of the Hoop Funk Club tool and you will agree once you see me using it is why I'm so in love with my spatula. That's too cool. So there's obviously you've got a wonderful story being from South Africa. And I know there's been a lot of unrest in that country uh, over quite a number of years now. And, and just your passion at which you've gone after your business and created success for yourself. It's a fascinating story. And there's a lot of women, especially in this industry, that are just strong women that have been able to make their business from their passion. And I just wonder, are there any particular people, so as known people in the industry or maybe unknown people in the industry that you admire or that have been instrumental in your success and uh, who those people might be and why you look up to them, if you will? Well, Jason... I can definitely, with an open and very honest heart, tell you that Sulky has played a tremendous role in our upcome from where we started, how you guys believed in us, up to the point where, you know, I filed for my artist visa with the United States and things like that. So you guys have always been tremendous. I always looked up to the people of Sulky, and I can tell everybody out there that you guys are not just a big company or a big name with a lot of threats and great stabilizers. You are like real people, like feeling like family. So definitely Sulky will be on the top of my list. And I think that Fred Drexler, Fred, you know, the way in the very beginning, my dad used to always say, well, whenever we send something, Fred is going to send this back and now he's going to Americanize this, right? <laughs> so Fred have Americanized us and I, we will always thank him for the experience that actually he showed us how to become world-class and how to write instructions that is up until this point, when I see other people's instructions, I can with proud say, well, this is because of Fred Drexler that our instructions looks this great. So that is, you know, the very beginning, the first time that we have actually done something with people of the United States was with Sulky. And it's a it's no experience I will always look back and be thankful for because I've learned so much and your products are wonderful. But not only that, you are great people with great hearts at Sulky and we love the people at Sulky. The other big, big influence, sir, in my life personally, and that he opened uh, a lot of gates for me in the industry. And actually, he believed in me and he was honest enough to me that he could at times tell me, hey, Zandra, you will need to go back and do this and this and this. And when you get to this stage, then we can take it from there. You know, he was honest enough to tell me when I was not good enough and he was encouraging enough to tell me that I need to keep on going until I'm good enough so that no one will ignore me anymore. So that was the best advice that I could have ever get in the industry is that you just need to keep on doing until people start to realize that what you are doing is good. And that would be the baby lock president is no longer with them at this stage. He retired, but it's Stephen Jeffries of baby lock. Then there's people that maybe they haven't influenced me on a personal level by opening um, 
you know, guides for me and helping me on my way. But there's people that I like, like you talk, you were saying strong women. There's definitely people like Mary Hess, which is a, she's a store owner in Oklahoma. She's got four or five. She have inspired me just the way she's doing things in her business. I've been looking up to her since I first met her in 2017. And then people like Jenny Dunn from the Missouri Stock World. I mean, just mm. looking at their story, I can relate in such a big way with, you know, their humble beginnings and up until this point where she is today. I've never met her personally, but I mean, she's like, you know, I look up to her. She's just totally amazing. People that I did meet, meet that inspire me tremendously is people like Miss Martha Poulin. Um, mm. I did meet her in Oklahoma. And she was actually the one that planted the seed in my head to start something like the Hoop Funk Club. And I will always be thankful for people like them because, you know, at the right time with the right advice, they help shape you. It's not always easy to go through all of this to get to a point where you can actually say, well, wow, this worked or this did not work. But when you look back, it's always worth it. Yeah. You mentioned some real giants in the industry there, and, and it's probably no no wonder that they achieved what they've achieved because they are encouragers and teachers and willing to share openly with, with people like you and, and create the next generation of successful people. It's that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to hear. I certainly didn't ask you that question thinking you were going to say sulky, but Fred is Fred's such a great teacher, and uh, I'm glad to hear you say that about him. Now, I, I know in, in those early days when we were working together with you, you, you mentioned your dad. And I know that um, he, he passed away earlier this year in, in June. How has that been for you and your family and your sewing journey? And has, you know, has, has embroidery and embroidering helped you through that? I'm, I'm sure there was a, quite a grieving process for you there. Absolutely. I think the, it came all as a big shock because... I'm sure probably it could go for another 10 years, but you know, time is not in our hands and you have lived a full life. When I look back, you know, at this stage, the only thing is I can't yet look at videos where, you know, he demonstrates with making a flower, stuff like that. It's, it's still too raw, but you know, where I'm sitting right here, there's a big photo of him at the wall. I talk to him like every day, like he's here. You know why it's like he's not gone. Sometimes we will say, well, well, thank you for leaving because who's going to do all this work now? You know, we will kind of like talk to him like that, and ask for guidance and things like that. He, he's got tremendously big shoes to fill. And in a way, I don't know how we actually, you know, restructured so fast because there was just no time. It was just deadline after deadline after deadline, but kind of like, I don't know how we did it. And the one thing that I have to tell you, which totally amazed me, is the day he died, I did not know who's going to do the videos, who's going to edit it. And when my child, when she was 12 years at that age, she said, well, mommy, I can do this. I've got this. And I said, well, I've got nothing to lose but to trust you that you can actually do this. And I was amazed because she can do it faster. And like grandpa would say, she can do it better. It will always be a tremendous big part of what we do. I think you have placed a lot you know, in our structure that, you know, the way we are doing things is, you know, what he's been doing and we will just continue to do that. And I just think, Jason, if he looks down, he, you know, he must be so proud because I know this is what he was hoping for us. This is what he have helped us to achieve, right? So right. it is a, it's a big loss, but, but in a way I have to tell you is that if never came so close to me, 
And if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would like feel this way or I would handle it this way, I would never believe it, right? <laughs> but in a way, you know, if you are a believer, then you do not mourn like someone that do not have hope. So you miss him for you because it's your loss. But I do not mourn because of him leaving this world, but it's a loss for us. But I think we are just moving each day, going forward, making him proud, knowing that, you know, he's very happy for what we are doing. Uh, I had the I had the pleasure of, of meeting him on a couple of occasions, and I can assure you he's proud of you and your family and what you guys are accomplishing now. You know, you could see in his face then that he was really proud of his daughter. So that's interesting to hear you talk about him and his impact on your life and your business and how he continues to impact it. That's so cool. Uh, I love your spirit. Thanks, Jason. Dad will always be remembered. Well, the flower guy. Um, then the other thing, he was very charming. So the ladies did like him a lot. <laughs> yeah, he definitely smiled a lot. And, had, you know, he's one of those people when you meet him, you, you can just tell he's a gentle soul, just a very nice and humble human. I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking to him, what little time I, I spent with him. So is there anything that you've yet to work on or, or some type of, I don't know, technique or sewing thing that you've been looking that you'd like to try and you haven't yet tried sort of like a, a sewing bucket list, if you will? Yes, of course, Jason. There's, there's a big list of things that sometimes you start to try it out and then you see, whoops, you will still have to. Then sometimes you just don't have the time yet to really sit down and make it work but it's going to work someday. I know it. So I have a list of those. It's going to work some days, right? <laughs> but these are really intrigued by different kinds of fabrics. Now, you know that from the very start, we were in love with organza. And that is why I love Sulky so much, because you guys are like the only ones that stock round threads in all these beautiful colors. And I'm all about round thread, right? I know there's a big topic about that, but I can like, get into that subject and I will make sure that people understand why rayon is so great. I think it's the most underestimated thread on the market because people don't really understand how to really use it and bring out the best in it because then there's a lot of reasons why I prefer that to use it in and specifically when you're using like things like the organza technique, whenever you're using a heat burning tool, you have to use the rayon thread. So I've right. used rayon thread for a very, very long time. And organza is my starting thing that I love to use. And still, I, you know, use organza all the time whenever I'm doing 3D. And, you know, we even do the patch method where we are using the organza with the rayon threads. And, you know, we are using it in a lot of different ways. But lately, I think my new favorite thing is like marine vinyl, oh. all kinds of different vinyl and faux leather, I'm addicted to embroidery on faux leather. And I can tell you that there's a lot of faux leather in my future, specifically for 2022 with the Hook Funk Club. I don't know if I've mentioned our other club with our wonderful friend, Lori Hernandez, which I'm sure you know her very well, Jason. So I we do. started She's the from my other neck of the club. Woods. Yes, that's right. So Lori and I started the Search Funk Club because as I was teaching a lot of times, I did see that people are really scared for the surgery, right? right? So I contacted Laurie and said, well, Laurie, the recipe for the Hoop Funk Club is working. This is what people need at this point of time in the industry. They need this education. And I think it's not only the education, Jason, it's 
being part of this special community where you really get to talk to the educators one-on-one -on -one in these webinars. You get the one-on-one -on -one teaching with these videos in their houses. They're no longer alone. It's like really being part of a niche community. So I said, well, there's so many people that don't know how to use their surges. They are frightened. There's dust on the surges. They don't know how to use it. And Laurie um, and I started the Search Fund Club, which is a combination between using the serger and using the embroidery machine. But we are focusing on smaller embroidery hoops in the Search Fund Club than in the Hoop Fund Club. But with all these projects and techniques that we are using, we've been you know, playing around with a lot of things in faux leather. And like I said, on my bucket list, definitely there's a lot of faux leather and using different types of textured fabrics in ways that people have never imagined you can use them with the embroidery machine. Some of them I already know how it's going to come up and some of them are on that list of it's going to work someday. I look forward to seeing more about that and hearing more about that. Maybe we can partner together on something there. <laughs> Seems like yeah, I've, we yeah, so we've talked a lot about your business and, and kind of how you got into that business and, and all about sewing. But hey, when you're not sewing, what other hobbies or activities do you do you enjoy, Zandra? Well, actually, Jason, actually, I don't get much time these days <laughs> to tell you what I truly because it always, always involves thinking about what's next, what doing every five minutes. But when I actually really do have time, I think I enjoy to cook. Mila and I, Mila is a great baker, so we like to do simple things, just actually family things. And then when I'm, do, this is going to sound silly, but when I do get time off, I like to do nothing. That is a, a big thing for me to actually just sit down and have good conversation with the people of your heart. That is at this stage the thing I enjoy most because all of the other time I'm like either in webinars or behind a camera really working on what we're doing right now. So I'm really in the moment at this moment. So the rest of the time that I do get up, I would say I like to do nothing. It uh, seems to be a common theme with the folks that I've had uh, as guests on the podcast so far. Most are so busy with their business and sewing that comes along with that, that they don't have a whole lot of time for the stuff that they enjoy outside of it. So you're not alone there. Sure. You know, I've always said, this is... <laughs> I kind of say this with each of the podcasts. Um, I've always said that, you know, as an industry, we're not really selling thread and notions and fabric, et cetera. But, but what we're really selling is a certain feeling of accomplishment, of satisfaction that comes with creating. Do you believe that? And how has that feeling, if you believe that, sort of manifested itself in your journey? Oh, Jason, I 100% agree with what you're saying is that you know, it's not about, like you was asking about making things and giving things. It's never about making something or actually if you can make it cheaper. It's, it's never because you can never make something cheaper. You cannot compete. You know, if you're going to make an embroidery card, for instance, you know, I've got a lot of our customers that specifically this one lady, she teaches how to make this beautiful embroidered cards using our designs and stuff like that. And I I'm always amazed by what the people are making. And then you realize it's the biggest actually, or actually when you are making something that time is, you know, the currency in the world that mm. is actually costing the most because no one's got time. So if you are actually making that card, you are giving something of yourself to someone. It's not about 
what you've used, like you are saying, what threads did you use, what fabrics, what, what did it cost you? It's about the experience you bought for yourself, the relaxation, the joy it brought you to make the card or to make whatever you are doing. And then the bigger joy in giving it, saying to someone that you are so important to me that I took time to make something, not to, and I always think if you're going to buy a card from the dollar store, then someone's going to throw it away. But if you're Mm going to make an embroidered card, someone's favorite color with their favorite flowers, they're never ever going to throw that card away because you are giving something of yourself. So I tell people that all the time is that it's about the experience. It's about and, you know, we were just you, we were just talking about how grief, like, for instance, after my daddy died, how did sewing or embroidery help us to get over the grief? Because we pretty much had to, like, just move on. There was no time to stop. And one thing that I, these days, that I firmly believe is that our hands, right, they are the antennas of our soul. Mm. So if you sew, create with quilting or crafts or card making or anything, even, you know, gardening, when you work with your hands, you touch the deepest parts of your soul with these antennas, which are called the hands. And that is where the healing starts. That is where the feel good starts. That is where the achievement starts of, I can do this. This makes me feel good. And that is what it's all about. It is about keeping us specifically in a time. It's such a sad, sad time in this world. Sometimes I want to cry just because of the situation in the whole world. Everything feels broken. Everything feels sad. But once you start to realize that step by step by doing the small things, feeling better and doing the small things, then it goes wider and you start affecting people around you and you are spreading the joy. And so before you realize it, you know, a whole circle effect of people that are you affected, starting with yourself, starting to create with your hands. And that is a way that we can make the world a better place is to use our hands and just start with ourselves, make ourselves happy. Because when if you are happy, you're going to start making people around you happy and at least then the world will be a happier place wow pretty powerful words uh, i can't think of a better way to encapsulate that than than how you just did and can't think of a better way to to sort of sound off on this podcast episode than with that man Zandra, i appreciate you being with me today and all of your words and we love your family and uh, wish you guys all the very best and uh, hope to see you again at some point here maybe at a show or somewhere down the road uh, when you're back in the u.s so yeah thanks again for joining me today well thank you so much for having me today here jason and i'm really looking forward to collaborate in the future again with sulky and you know we can be powerful by doing the things we are doing best and i'm looking forward to work with sulky again and really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you yeah thanks 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 a bunch listening to Why So With Sulky. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and join us again for more fun stories that are sure to inspire your creativity. You can find more info and links for today's episode at sewingonline.sulky.com. 